Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode one of The Life of David Brainerd by Jonathan Edwards. Chapter one. From his birth to the time when he began to study for the ministry, establishing his own narrative of his conversion, his connection with Yale College, and the grounds of his expulsion. April 20, 1718 to February 1741. David Brainerd was born April 20, 1718 at Haddam, Connecticut. His father was Hezekiah Brainerd, Esquire, and his mother, Dorothy Hobart, daughter of the Reverend Jeremiah Hobart. He was the third son of his parents, who had five sons and four daughters. The oldest son was a respectable citizen of Haddam. The second was Reverend Nehemiah Brainerd, a worthy minister in Eastbury, Connecticut. The fourth, Mr. John Brainerd, who succeeded his brother David as missionary to the Indians and pastor of the same Church of Christian Indians in New Jersey. And the fifth was Israel, lately student at Yale College, who died soon after his brother David. Their mother, having lived about five years a widow, died when the subject of this memoir was about 14 years of age so that, in his youth, he was left both fatherless and motherless. The following is the account he has himself given of the first 23 years of his life. I was, from my youth, somewhat sober and inclined to melancholy, but do not remember anything of conviction of sin, worthy of remark, till I was, I believe, about seven or eight years of age. Then I became concerned for my soul and terrified at the thoughts of death and was driven to the performance of religious duties. But it appeared a melancholy business that destroyed my eagerness for play. And though, alas, this religious concern was but short-lived, I sometimes attended secret prayer and thus lived without God in the world and without much concern, as I remember, till I was above 13 years of age. In the winter of 1732, I was roused out of this carnal security by, I scarce know what means at first, but was much excited by the prevalence of a mortal sickness in Haddam. I was frequent, constant, and somewhat fervent in prayer, and took delight in reading, especially Mr. Janeway's Token for Children. I felt sometimes much melted in the duties of religion, took great delight in the performance of them, and sometimes hoped that I was converted, or at least in a good and hopeful way, for heaven and happiness, not knowing what conversion was, The Spirit of God at this time proceeded far with me. 
I was remarkably dead to the world. My thoughts were almost wholly employed about my soul's concerns. And I may indeed say, almost I was persuaded to be a Christian. I was also exceedingly distressed and melancholy at the death of my mother in March 1732. But afterward, my religious concern began to decline, and by degrees I fell back into a considerable degree of security, though I still attended secret prayer. About the 15th of April, 1733, I removed from my father's house to East Haddam, where I spent four years, but still, without God in the world, though for the most part I went a round of secret duty. I was not much addicted to the company and the amusements of the young, but this I know, that when I did go into such company, I never returned with so good a conscience as when I went. It always added new guilt, made me afraid to come to the throne of grace and spoiled those good frames with which I was wont sometimes to please myself. But alas, all my good frames were but self-righteousness, not founded on a desire for the glory of God. About the end of April, 1737, being full 19 years of age, I removed to Durham to work on my farm and continued about one year, frequently longing after a liberal education. When about 20 years of age, I applied myself to study and was now engaged more than ever in the duties of religion. I became very strict and watchful over my thoughts, words, and actions, concluded that I must be sober indeed because I designed to devote myself to the ministry and imagined that I did dedicate myself to the Lord. Sometime in April, 1738, I went to live with Reverend Mr. Fisk of Haddam and continued with him during his life. I remember he advised me wholly to abandon young company and associate myself with grave elderly people, which counsel I followed. My manner of life was now wholly regular and full of religion, such as it was, for I read my Bible more than twice through in less than a year, spent much time every day in prayer and other secret duties, gave great attention to the word preached, and endeavored to my utmost to retain it. So much concerned was I about religion that I agreed with some young persons to meet privately on Sabbath evenings for religious exercises and thought myself sincere in these duties. And after our meeting was ended, I used to repeat the discourses of the day to myself, recollecting what I could, though sometimes very late at night. I used occasionally on Monday mornings to recollect the same sermons, had sometimes pleasure in religious exercises, and had many thoughts of joining the church. In short, I had a very good outside and rested entirely on my duties, though I was not sensible of it. 
After Mr. Fisk's death, I proceeded in my studies with my brother. While still very constant in religious duties, often wondered at the levity of professors and lamented their carelessness in religion. Thus, I proceeded a considerable length on a self-righteous foundation and should have been entirely lost and undone had not the mere mercy of God prevented. Sometime in the beginning of winter, 1738, it pleased God one Sabbath morning as I was walking out for secret duties to give me on a sudden such a sense of my danger and the wrath of God that I stood amazed and my former good frames presently vanished from the view which I had of my sin and vileness. I was much distressed all that day, fearing that the vengeance of God would soon overtake me. I was much dejected, kept much alone, and sometimes envied the birds and beasts their happiness because they were not exposed to eternal misery as I evidently saw that I was. Thus I lived from day to day, being frequently in great distress. Sometimes there appeared mountains before me to obstruct my hopes of mercy, and the work of conversion appeared so great that I thought I should never be the subject of it. I used, however, to pray and cry to God, and perform other duties with great earnestness, and thus hoped by some means to make the case better. Hundreds of times I renounced all pretenses of any worth in my duties, as I thought, even while performing them, and often confessed to God that I deserved nothing for the very best of them but eternal condemnation. Yet still I had a secret hope of recommending myself to God by my religious duties. When I prayed affectionately and my heart seemed in some measure to melt, I hoped that God would be thereby moved to pity me. There was then some appearance of goodness in my prayers, and I seemed to mourn for sin. I could in some measure Venture on the mercy of God in Christ, as I thought, though the preponderating thought, the foundation of my hope, was some imagination of goodness in my meltings of heart, the warmth of my affections, and my extraordinary enlargements in prayer. Though at times the gate appeared so very straight that it looked next to impossible to enter, yet at other times, I flattered myself that it was not so very difficult and hoped I should, by diligence and watchfulness, soon gain the point. Sometimes after enlargement, in duty and considerable affection, I hoped I had made a good step toward heaven and imagined that God was as affected as I was and would hear such sincere cries as I called them. And so sometimes, when I withdrew for secret prayer in great distress, I returned 
comfortable, and thus healed myself with my duties. In February 1739, I set apart a day for secret fasting and prayer, and spent the day in almost incessant cries to God for mercy, that he would open my eyes to see the evil of sin and the way of life by Jesus Christ. God was pleased that day to make considerable discoveries of my heart to me. Still, I trusted in all the duties I performed, though there was no manner of goodness in them, there being in them no respect to the glory of God, nor any such principle in my heart. Yet God was pleased to make my endeavors that day a means to show me my helplessness in some measure. This concludes episode one of Jonathan Edwards, The Life of David Brainerd.